a lot of people get super frustrated and even burn out on sports because they feel like they're trying so hard all the time. It's just not working. It's not working. If you change the mindset to gratitude and abundance, either way, if you win, awesome. You're grateful for the opportunity to perform. If you lose, awesome. You're grateful for the opportunity to learn more. So there's no way you can lose with that mindset. Welcome to the Players Podcast. This is your host, Coach Moser. On today's episode, we're talking to Dr. Blake Brandis. Dr. Blake is a youth motivational speaker, a hip-hop educator, music producer, and student leadership expert. He travels the world speaking to youth about grit and growth mindset. This interview was recorded over a year ago after he presented to our students at Richmond Elementary. I sat down with Dr. Blake to discuss how to improve mindset when it comes to athletics and how to approach the game on an individual and team level. The Players Podcast is brought to you by the Salem Hoops Project. The Salem Hoops Project provides free basketball training for kids in Northeast Salem. It's our firm conviction that no child should lack athletic opportunity because of financial limitations. For more information, visit salemhoopsproject.org. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you have any questions about improving your game on and off the court, contact us on Twitter at SLM Hoops Project or on Instagram at Salem Hoops Project. Now on to the show. Basketball is a fast-paced game. The season is long, filled with ups and downs. What can a player do to train their mindset? And what can players do during the season to strengthen their mindset? Great question. There's a short-term perspective here and a long-term perspective. So the short-term is the idea of being present in the game. So it can be really easy to get frustrated with yourself. If you make a mistake, if you slip up, if something doesn't go your way, or if the game is not going your way, it can be really easy to perseverate over what has already happened that, quote-unquote, you failed or your team is failing. One of the most powerful mindset shifts you can make is to release every play as soon as it happens so if you go out there you make a turnover no worries reset in that moment and that's something you have to train your mind to do because our natural for it's natural to be frustrated it's natural to say oh i messed up oh i'm so angry and then we tend to react out of anger or frustration and then we get sloppy or then we start fouling or then we start missing shots and that's really one of the most powerful things to do in the moment to increase performance in the game. From the longer term perspective, to your point about the season being full of ups and downs, one of the most helpful things is to reframe the question you ask yourself after every game. And what I mean is, you always have a choice of the question you ask yourself. Some people ask, why did I mess up? Why did my teammates mess up? Why aren't we good enough? And that kind of question demands a response. And so you say, well, we're not good enough because we don't have enough talent or because our coach is bad or because my teammate's terrible. It's a very blame-focused kind of question. But you can change the question you ask after every game to, what can I learn from this? Mm -hmm. What can I learn from my own performance? What can I learn from someone else's performance? What can I learn from things that went well and things that didn't go well? And that reframe can totally change the way you think about wins and losses in a season because then it's not like, oh, we're having a terrible season, we're losing. It's, oh, we're having a season. What can I learn from how the performance has gone so well? Well, that's something that I know as a player I struggled with as a coach early on. At this point in my coaching career, 
add a little more perspective, mm-hmm. but you get so focused on, I got to win, I got to score my points, whatever, you know, whatever it might be, and that you forget that you can learn from every experience. And to that point, the fact that one team scores more points than another is a fact. Everything else is a story. Even this idea of the, you won or you lost, right? Like that is a framing and a story you can choose to tell yourself because if you look at it as, okay, this team scored more points, why did they score more points? Mm-hmm. Then there's not this overlay of the story of we lost, we're terrible, yeah. you know, and it's all the story that really affects the mindset. That's great. You've written about the abundance mindset, something that I hadn't really, I've never read before. This is something that seems to be highly valuable for team chemistry. Can you talk a bit about the abundance mindset versus scarce mindset and how a team can benefit from this? Love it. The abundance mindset is the idea that there is more than enough of everything in this world. There is more than enough love. There is more than enough money. There's more than enough happiness. There's more than enough success. There's more than enough high performance. And it's contrasted with the scarcity mindset, which says there's not enough. There's not enough of anything. There's not enough love. There's not enough success. There's not enough money. It's very zero sum. So that means I always have to be competing with everybody else. And if you win, I lose. If I win, you lose. And when you live in a scarcity mindset, it's constantly a struggle because everything's a fight because there's not enough. And unfortunately, this is the way a lot of us are raised and especially um, young people who are raised in environments where there hasn't been enough. I mean, that's sort of the fact. There wasn't enough to eat. Um, There wasn't enough affection or encouragement. And so... Adopting a adopting an abundance mindset is really powerful because you start looking at the world, not just saying, okay, this is all there is, so I have to grab what I can. You start thinking about it. How can I make more? How can I increase what's currently available? And to answer your question specifically for sports, one way to think about it on a team is that a scarcity mindset says there are only so many plays when I can get the ball, so I need to shoot as much as possible. There are only so many opportunities for and so many games in the season for me to perform, so I always have to be out there performing, and I always have to be on the floor, and if I'm not, I'm going to get mad, versus the abundance mindset, which says, actually, if we work together as a team, we can create more opportunities for us to get the ball. We can create more opportunities for us to score. We can create more opportunities for more people to be able to get in the game and show their performance and get that real-time practice. Um, Because I believe actually everything is practice, even the championship game. Mm -hmm. It's just practice of what you've already been practicing Mm -hmm. before. And so if you get in that mindset that everything is practice, you come from it from a perspective of learning. And that's really the key of the abundance mindset. It says, okay, How can I learn more from this experience to create more in the future, create more success for myself, create more success for my teammates? And so when you're thinking about team cohesion, the abundance mindset is directly relinked to gratitude. So saying, hey, I'm either grateful for what has happened to me or grateful what is happening to my team. Even if it's disappointing, even if we've failed, I can be grateful because that shows us we have more to learn. That shows us we have more practice that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And when you adopt that gratitude mindset, you change your entire experience of sports because a lot of people get super frustrated and even burn out on sports because they feel like they're trying so hard all the time. It's just not working. It's not working. If you change the mindset, 
to gratitude and abundance. Either way, if you win, awesome. You're grateful for the opportunity to perform. If you lose, awesome. You're grateful for the opportunity to learn more. So there's no way you can lose with that mindset. Playing time is important to players. And one of my coaches, you know, we had a team that was kind of kind of getting, you know, a little heady with each other. And he drew it up on the board. 40 minutes in a game, five players can play. That's 200 minutes. And then he went through one by one each player. How many minutes does this player play? How many minutes does this player play? And the number that it added up to was like 350. Like, it doesn't work, guys. You have to be able to trust the minutes you get, and you got to be able to work together in that time. That reminds me a lot of kind of how the abundance mindset works. Like, you, you're given all this. How are you going to use it? That's it. And you're absolutely right because you may have that much playing time, but that doesn't equal the amount of possession time. Mm-hmm. So even thinking about that and creating more opportunities for possession mm-hmm. versus just for playtime, because it can be so easy to perseverate over one number, mm-hmm. right? How many points did you score? Yeah. How much time did you play? And one of the things I tell people when they're especially high performance areas like sports is if you attach your happiness to one number, you are setting yourself up for unhappiness most of your life because that means there are infinity minus one numbers that will make you unhappy if there's only one number that will make you happy. And this is true for everything. I mean, you see it with people with their followers on social media, mm-hmm. which also is a big thing, especially now in high school and college sports, because, you know, people, they want that following. They want, you know, everyone to know them. And if your happiness is determined by the number of followers you have, it's always going to be conditional and really easy for you to live in a constant state of feeling like you're not enough and like you don't have enough. And yes, in some ways for recruitment, that can matter. But recruiters aren't only looking at your social media stats. They're not only looking at your play time. They're not only looking at the number of points you score. They're looking at how do you understand the game and play the game as a team, mm-hmm. not just superstar or single player. Yeah, that's huge. Every team has roles or every player has a role on the team. And each player has a different job. Should the mindset be the same? Is it, is it something that's generic for the whole team? Or does it depend on the player's role? So some players may never see the court, but they're, they're practice players. And some players are going to get a lot of playing time, get a lot of opportunities to score. How does mindset differ? Or should it be something that's steady across the board from all athletes? I think everyone, regardless of if you are the star point guard or if you are sitting on the bench the entire game always has the choice and always has the power to choose what they focus on so i was in middle school a largely bench player (laughs) in basketball and part of that was we had some great players on our team who had put in a lot more time on the court than i had and part of it was uh up to then my commitment to it hadn't paid off in the results that resulted in me being a a phenomenal player relative to them. So the mindset choice that everyone has, whether you're the star or whether you're sitting on the bench is when I ask myself a key question, is it, why am I here? If I'm sitting on the bench, is it, what did I do to deserve this? Why am I not good enough? Or if you're the star player, it might be, you know, How can I keep my number one spot? Who do I have to fend off? Like, that's a choice because you can change that question. If you're sitting on the bench, that mindset can change to what strategy can I learn by watching what's happening right now? Where are people 
being successful, where are they consistently missing opportunities? What's the other team doing that's working well against us? How can we either defend against that or use that to our advantage? Players on the court, likewise, can also ask the question, what can I learn from this right now? What is working in this moment? What do we maybe need to shift? And what I would love to see and have seen be really successful for teams is that star point guard who's in all the time, Ask the player who's sitting on the bench watching the entire game, hey, what are you noticing? What kind of things are we missing? What opportunities are there we're not taking advantage of? Because that person sitting on the bench has a incredible vantage point. And obviously the coach you're hoping mm-hmm. to is sort of bringing all this together. But there are things the coach is missing because the coach is focused on different things than the players are. So I think you always have the choice of what you focus on in any given moment. And you can make yourself happy. Anytime I say, okay, cool, I'm on the bench, but there's still a lot I can do. I can focus on, I can think, I can learn. Or you can make yourself unhappy and sit there the whole time and think, this isn't fair. I should be in there. Why am I not in there? Well, that's what makes great teams is when you have the 12th man who is engaged during the game. He's not he's not sitting there pouting. And then you have you know the best player or the starters who are selfless and are willing to take input from anybody mm-hmm. to get better. That's That's huge right there, especially in a game like basketball. You make the distinction that we should swallow our dreams instead of follow our dreams. <laughs> what does this look like for a basketball player who wants to reach their highest level of play? Love it. So I wrote a blog post called Swallow Your Dreams, Don't Follow Your Dreams. And the core idea here is that so often we're told, follow your dreams, pursue your passion. And the thing I don't like about that framework although I might have even said it in the introduction because it's so built into like who we are and how we talk about these things, is follow your dreams implies that your dreams are somewhere outside of yourself, that they are something you have to follow, you have to chase. It's something out there. And swallow your dreams really is saying you can embody that vision of the person you want to be right now. So if you think about wanting to be your highest performing self, your best athlete, your best player. What would you do right now if you were already that player? Like, how would you act in practice? How would you speak to your teammates? How would you speak to your coach? How would you interact with people on the court and off the court? How would you train if you were already a superstar in the NBA? How would you work out? How would you eat? How would you sleep? When you start asking yourself those questions and you take action based on it, then the irony is you actually create your dream state from who you already are right now. Because once you embody those practices and those habits, your performance starts to reflect those habits. Because a lot of people think, oh, if I get good, then I will Mm -hmm. work out or then I'll practice this much. It's the total opposite way. You think to yourself, I am a pro. What do I do? I do this with I try to do this. I'm not perfect at it by any stretch, but I really try to do this with everything I do. I am a professional speaker. So when I walk into a gymnasium where I'm going to perform, what would a professional speaker do in this situation? That's the question I ask myself. Always greet the person. Try to remember their name by all means if you can, right? Um, Be polite and considerate. Let people know things ahead of time that you need. Um, If things go wrong, if the schedule gets messed up, don't get upset, be adaptive, be positive, 
hey, totally understand. How can we make this work? Because mm-hmm. that's always within your control. I can't control if my performance gets cut short. I can't get, you know, I can't control a lot of factors, how the kids are feeling that day. But I can always bring that positive, respectful attitude towards it. And the same thing is true in any sport. When you are out there either performing on the court or what I would argue is the majority of the time you're doing your sport, which is the time you're off the court, mm-hmm. how can you be the professional that you want to be right now. And that starts with identifying those habits and those mindsets and those behaviors and starting them now. What's one practical habit that somebody could listen to this and say, well, I can start doing that tomorrow to develop either that mindset or uh, you know the, the swallow your dreams perspective? What's one practical thing they could do? Oh man, there's so many. Let's, let's just roll them off here. Um, <laughs> One I would say is have a compassionate but realistic self-assessment of where your skills currently are. So, for example, if you're a basketball player and you recognize, okay, my layups are probably about 7 out of 10. My uh, free throws are probably at about a 5 out of 10, just in terms of quality, not yeah, percentage. Yeah. Obviously, that would be a fantastic <laughs> percentage. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, my three-pointer game is a 2 out of 10. So if you look at that and say, okay, I'm going to dedicate – 30 minutes a day, I'm going to spend 10 minutes on layups, 10 minutes on free throws, 10 minutes on three-pointers. The goal is not perfection. The goal is not for me to make more of them. It's to take my time and focus on the form of what I'm doing. So for my layups, am I making sure my approach is right, my release is right? For same thing with free throws, is, am I setting? Is my release good, my follow-through? Same thing with three-pointers. And so the goal here is to recognize that the process will produce the results, not the other way around. It's not that like you get, you know, you start shooting these free throws. If you're having a good day and you're making all of them, it's like, oh, I'm great. I don't need to practice anymore. The whole idea is that it doesn't matter whether you're making them or missing them. By committing the time to working on the form and the fundamentals over and over, you improve it because the neurosciences, your brain actually rewires when you do this. And the thing is, your brain needs you to do it over and over and over again before you start to see results. And that's the frustrating part because you might do this 30-minute regimen, mm-hmm. for example, for two weeks and still be missing as many as you were when you started. You're like, well, this isn't working. All it's saying is that your brain hasn't rewired enough yet to be able to really lock in on that. Mm-hmm. And the other thing to remember is Steph Curry, the best three-point shooter in history, I mean, Steve Kerr technically has like a you know forty five percent hit. And Steph is like a forty four percent three point percentage rate right now. But if you look at Steph Curry, the best three point shooter in history is missing over half the three pointers that he takes. Forty four percent. He's missing fifty six percent of the three pointers he takes, and he's the best in history. So let that just be some perspective, right? Like. When you're going to take the shot, you are going to miss the majority of the time. And so it shouldn't be measured how many times you make it. It should be measured how can you consistently work on your form so that when the game time comes, your brain doesn't have to think, oh, you know, oh, it's a free throw. Oh, gosh, how do I do this again? It's muscle memory at that point. Yeah. I I used to tell players to make goals that were measurable. You know, I want to shoot such and such percentage, so forth. And then a few years ago, I came to the realization that that goal is like a almost like a pipe dream because how are you going to do it? I don't know, you know. So I always tell players now, make your goals uh, something that 
you can almost check off each week or mm -hmm. each day. Like my goal is to, you know, spend 30 minutes shooting on the gun and they're getting 30 minutes of shots continuous up, things like that where they can say, I, I, I achieved my goal, my performance is gonna increase because of it. That's it, and I like process-related goals over results-related goals, like you're saying, because how you get those goals matters, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you say, okay, I'm gonna sit here till I make 100 free throws, that could be a good goal for you if that's the kind of thing that motivates you. Yeah. Like, But I would love to see more that I'm going to shoot 100 free throws, and on these 100 free throws, I'm just going to focus on getting my release consistently the same mm -hmm. each time. Um, and you want it to go in, obviously, you yeah, know, yeah. but like, but yeah, because I worry about burnout a lot for people and frustration because yes. I think most people quit and most people give up because they either aren't getting the results they want or they're measuring the wrong thing. Yeah. And so when you, especially when you compare yourself to other people, then it's so easy to be like, well, I'm not good enough. I'll never be good enough because yeah. this person is a star. And so that sort of goes back to your question about the star versus the player mm -hmm. on the bench. Like you could sit there and compare yourself all day and say, I'll never be as good as that person. But that doesn't help you achieve your goals. Same thing for me. When I started rapping, I could have easily compared myself to amazing rappers. You know, Jay-Z, uh, Eminem, any of these people who were so much farther along. But I just said, hey, I am where I am right now. Where can I go? from where I am right now to just a little bit better and a little bit better versus, oh, I'll never be as good as the best rappers in the game, so I should quit. Or, yo, I'm the best rapper. You know, you can sort of yeah, do the yeah. other thing, which is like kind of overhype yourself uh, without a realistic self-assessment. And so, and so it's sort of the balance between the two, which is just, hey, it's wherever you are right now, that's fine and good. Accept that, love that place because You've worked as hard as you have to get there, and now you can take one step forward. What's the next step? Okay, yeah, you're not. If you're on the bench all the time, the next step might not be that you're going to be the starter in the game, but the next step might be asking your coach, Coach, what would it take for me to get one minute of play time in the next game? What would you need to see for me to do that? And then if you've got some measurable outcomes, okay, you know, I need you in practice to be doing X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Good, now you know something you can drill and focus on to get the result you want. It's time for the three-point play. Three questions putting our guests on the spot. Here we go. What's one book every athlete should read? Every athlete should read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle because The Power of Now is all focused on being present and the power of releasing the story that you have going on in your head and the incredible things that you're capable of once that happens. What's the first thing an athlete should do when they wake up? When an athlete wakes up in the morning, I think it is important to set an intention for the day, meaning what do you want this day to look like for you? Because it can be really easy when we get up to go into reaction mode. We're on social media, we're on email, we're watching TV, and that's a very disempowering place to be. I say when you wake up, set that intention. What is the most important thing you want to achieve today? Or what is the state you want to be in today? And protect that religiously. Like you are the only person who has power over your life. Like no one else can do it for you. People can try to influence you and affect it. But if you wake up saying, I'm going to prioritize this for me today, man, not a lot can stop you. What's the last thing an athlete to do before they go to bed? Before an athlete goes to bed, I would recommend looking for at least one thing, but ideally three things to be grateful for in the day. 
because when you go to sleep in a state of gratitude, you're not stressed out about what's happening tomorrow. You're not beating yourself up about what didn't go right today. Because if you sit there and I think, what's one thing I can be grateful for? Your mind will find an answer to that question and it'll put you in a space of saying, everything's not going to be perfect. We all recognize that. But the one thing I have control over is my mindset and how I approach life. And I can always choose to be grateful. Look, let me restore the passion in golden era fashion. That that's corrupt, you'll turn me up while we print the atlas. Pray the pain won't be in vain. Poor you say the mask it. Why they kiss ass for traction? Build my own lane and lap them. Chances are they want the credit for your sacrifice. I'll hand you the patent and recreate it twice. Ready to die, you only one and better name your price. On my 25th hour, no relation to spike. Ask for the spike in my price. Blame the economy. You heard 444. Hope will be proud of me. Since 22 twos, no competition here, honestly. My mantra is off to pay me. Call it a prophecy. Boxing one, there's no stopping me. Work to whoever you're praying to. Cooling in the layup line. Look at what y'all made me do. Laughing at advances now. That won't even pay the dues. Y'all stacking up your rosters. Suckers always. Pay the loot.